Welcome back everybody, this is Daniel again from Pathways to Permanency. I am your recruitment specialist and your host for Resource Families Thrive. I do hope everybody's doing well. I know it's kind of a surprise to get a second episode in one month, but figured we'd keep on giving you some tips and tricks uh, so that way you can get a little bit of a break while you are sheltering in place and spending more time with your kids, with your families, and maybe taking that time to learn a little bit more. As always, I like to start with a reminder that Stanford Sierra Youth and Families is a merged organization with a combined 140 years of experience. We do serve the whole greater Sacramento region with a variety of services. Those include mental health therapy services, behavior support, juvenile justice intervention, foster care, and adoption. Anything that we do is in support of our mission statement, which is transforming lives by nurturing permanent connections and empowering to solve challenges together so every child can thrive. Right now we have office locations in Auburn, Grass Valley, Sacramento, Citrus Heights, and Woodland. Today I'm going to talk a little bit more about trauma. This was the discussion that we had last time as well. And so to start off, I want to get into a little bit more brain science. Right now, we are all experiencing some form of trauma. Let's be upfront about that. That has an impact on our bodies as well as our brains. The reason this can have an impact on our brains is because as we're stressed out, we're releasing hormones and chemicals like cortisol and adrenaline, and those things can actually rewire our brains on a physical level. And of course, if you're rewiring brain, you're also rewiring thought processes. This is actually the way a lot of our kids in foster care and adoption programs have just learned to operate. Their brain's constantly saturated in these hormones. So right now we're all getting a taste of what that's like, and for them it's another layer on trauma and stress that already exist. As we add more stress, more of those hormones get released. Our brains continue to get used to operating in a heightened state of... Uh, we are quicker to anger, we are quicker to snapping, we are... Uh, quicker to feeling fear and panic, and that's because people out there are losing jobs and wondering how they're going to pay their bills and taking care of their kids, making sure that schoolwork is getting done. All those things are changes in our routine and additional stressors. The good news is that our brains are able to be reprogrammed. They are constantly building themselves. There's this myth that as adults, our brains have settled, that they have stopped changing. But we have this thing called neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity means that if we have wired the brain a certain way, we can rewire it to operate differently. This is true for you as an adult. This is true for our kids as well. I do want to be clear that this is not a simple or easy fix, that utilizing this concept of neuroplasticity takes time. You have to give yourself grace. Any of the tips, these tricks, these recommendations that I'm providing to you right now are all things that I train on. In my role as a recruiter for resource families, I also train people on therapeutic intervention and crisis intervention techniques, and that includes behavior management as well. When I'm teaching those classes, the first thing I ask people, and it's kind of semi-rhetorical, is who's the adult in any given situation? And then picture it, me kind of staring at the class very intently, kind of gesturing at them a little bit, because my expectation is that they will say, oh, we are, we are the adults. You're human, you might make mistakes, and realistically you probably will. I know I as a professional have, 
But if you're working on things with a child, and that can be your own child, that can be a child in foster care, you have to start with yourself and recognizing that you are the adult. Even when you are stressed, anxious, you have to remember that you are the adult. In the previous episode, I mentioned the self-awareness four questions, and I know I moved through them relatively fast. So I want to spend time on two of them in particular today and kind of talk about those two because if we're going to work on our self-awareness and maintaining ourselves as the responsible adults in a situation and a relationship, these are the first two things that you should go to. The first one that you should always ask yourself is, how am I feeling right now? So something just happened and we have a knee-jerk reaction and you have to think to yourself, how am I feeling? This sounds really simple, I know, but what I want you to do, and do this now as a matter of fact, hit pause if you need to, I'll give a few seconds of silence so there's a break, but I want you to run through an emotional and physical checklist of yourself. So one question is, do you feel angry? Within some of the trainings that I do, we talk about the fact that when you're angry, you get kind of stupid. There's no way around that. When we get angry, adrenaline and other things kick into our system. They kick in that fight, flight, freeze moment that we have, and they make it so that we can't think clearly or cognitively. I strongly recommend that people check out Dan Siegel's hand model of the brain. You can find this on YouTube where he explains how our brains operate. If you feel angry, then that means that you're not able to think as clearly. And if you really think to yourself, what am I feeling now? That is actually going to help you to snap out of that and get to higher levels of thinking to help yourself to get into human thinking instead of scared animal thinking. Anger never comes alone. It is always a secondary emotion. We get scared and then we get angry because we get scared. We get confused and then we're angry because we're confused. Anger is always because of something else. As an example, maybe a child tried to make some mac and cheese for the family as a surprise, but then they forgot the noodles on the stove and those started to burn and smoke. And your immediate jump to is concern that they might have burned down the kitchen, they might have hurt themselves, they might have put themselves in an unsafe situation, and then you get to anger because you felt that concern. So running back through that checklist, your internal monologue might sound like, what am I feeling right now? I am angry. Why am I angry? because I don't have an answer to a question that a child has asked me for what feels like the hundredth time today. And that uncertainty, it's making me feel insecure. So I am not angry. I am feeling insecure, vulnerable, and like I'm not the adult in this situation. In addition to that emotional checklist, you do have to remember to go through a physical checklist as well. So again, I'm going to take a few seconds and pause. Feel free to pause this if you need to. And think about what your body is feeling right now. Just your body feelings.
maybe you listed off some of these things like, I'm feeling really hot right now, or, you know, I didn't sleep very much last night, and so I'm tired. All of those things can lead to heightened emotional responses. Any of those discomforts, any of those little poking things can lead to more on that emotional checklist. And that is when we kind of forget ourselves. So what am I feeling right now if we're going to run through that checklist quickly? It could be that I'm very hungry and tired, my routine is thrown off. And then when John asked me when he could get back to school and it felt like it was a hundredth time today, I felt bad that I didn't have the answer. And when I felt bad and insecure, that's when I got angry with him. Other things that you can do are simple grounding exercises. You can find infinite tips and tricks online, but one of my favorite and quick things to do for myself or for a child is what I call a 5-4-3-2-1. This actually goes back to your senses. So what I will tell myself or a child to do is think of five things that I can see around me right now and then pick four things that I can hear around me right now. And that can include breathing, or the creaking of a bed or piece of furniture, or an air conditioner. And then I think of three things that I can smell right now. And then two things that I can touch right now. In some cases, people will say one thing you can taste, but if there's nothing accessible to taste, then what I will do is I'll pick a thought that I can use to remind myself that everything's going to be okay. It's not going to work for everybody, but it is something that I like to do that's very quick, very simple, and forces me to really think in the moment and get me out of that lower animal brain tendency. In addition to that, when you're doing a self-body check, you can kind of clench your different muscles across your body. So clench your fingers a little and see how they feel when you release. Clench your toes a little and see how they feel. Kind of work yourself up your body and just really pay attention, and that can help to ground you too. These are very simple things that don't take a lot of time, but can really help you when you're asking yourself, how am I feeling right now? That way, you're better able to move on to the second question. What is the child feeling, needing, or wanting right now? When working in foster care and adoption, we talk a lot about behavior. People have a lot of questions about behavior, about things that kids do. And so first and foremost, I want to start with a distinction when you're having a situation in your home about paying attention to what a child is doing rather than what they are not doing. Sometimes when a resource family would call me, they would say, well, they're not doing their homework, and I would ask what they are doing, and they'd say, they're not listening to me. That's not the same thing. So instead of saying, they're not listening to me, they're not doing their homework, maybe I would reframe it as, so they're ignoring you and they're texting their friends nonstop. Behavior communicates a need. Behavior is a form of communication. And so we have to look at it that way in order to make sure that you are paying attention to what that child is trying to communicate. Right now, kids aren't in school. Maybe that texting is the only way they have to be connected to their friends, and it's really important because they're feeling really exhausted right now. 
maybe that homework that they're ignoring. It's that it was already a struggle in class, and now they don't have the teacher accessible or as easily accessible. And so they're trying to just avoid it so that way they don't feel those bad feelings about themselves. If you're listening to what those needs are and paying attention to what those needs are being communicated, you can better answer them. Maybe what that child needs right now is social connection and a little bit of break from their homework. Or maybe they just need homework help and they don't feel secure enough to ask for it. For our kids in foster care and adoption programs, when they're having a struggle, families will sometimes think it's about them. And I need to remind you that it's not about you and it's not being done to you. This is about something that was done to a child or happened to a child, or in this case right now, is happening now to a child. They are always communicating needs through behaviors. They're always communicating wants. They're always communicating feelings. We just have to take that moment of higher brain thinking in order to find it. In order to really meet the needs of another person, be it you, a significant other, a child, a friend, you have to remember to really work on your own needs first. It's kind of like putting on an oxygen mask when an airplane is going down. You have to apply your own self-care, your own oxygen mask, before you can go and help someone else. So, again, ask yourself how you're feeling. Find ways to do little grounding exercises, meditations, even just sitting with yourself and listening to the world around you as much as you can. Find a way to do something to meet your needs and to support your self-concept. Do things that will support who you are, be that continuing your routine or finding something new. Remember also that we're always in need of families to take kids into their care. Uh, and this is true now more than ever. Kids are experiencing disruptions even as COVID-19 is still a threat, is still working its way through our community. Kids are still coming into foster care brand new to the system or in some cases, because of all these changing circumstances, the families that they've been living with aren't able to take care of them and support them anymore. I do want to encourage you to reach out to us today, find out how you can get involved. Our phone number is 916-368-5114. You can also email us at pfcrecruitment at youthsolutions.org. And you can also find additional information or reach out to us electronically at sierraff.org or youthsolutions.org. As always, I hope that you're taking care of yourself. First and foremost, I hope sincerely that you are finding a way to care for yourself. I hope you keep washing your hands. I do hope that you get a chance to get outside and enjoy this lovely Sacramento spring. Give yourself some grace right now. That's very important, too. That's all I have for now. So until I get a chance to talk to you again, I do sincerely hope that you keep on thriving.